Hi, you're listening to Witnessing Today, a table talk series on the road to AYC. Our goal with this series is to explore what is witnessing, how to witness, and most importantly, why do we witness? Each episode is infused with discussions, Bible stories, and thought-provoking perspectives. I'm your host, Catherine Wong, and let's prepare our hearts and minds to explore witnessing today. Hi, welcome. You're now listening to Road to AYC 2022. I'm Catherine. We're so happy that you decided to join us online with me and our speakers to talk about witnessing. Our speakers for the first podcast are Joy and Lawson. Welcome, Joy and Lawson. For those who may not know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Joy, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Ladies first. Um, so my name is Joy Crowley. I am a GP registrar, which means I'm training to become a special, uh, become specialised in general practice. Um, I'm originally from Sydney, but I've moved up to the beautiful town of Foster for training for the moment. You may have seen me before at AYC as one of the hosts. I was the weird Arab girl on stage who always asked people what sauce they put on their falafel kebabs. So, yeah, that's me. What about you? <laughs> that's epic. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, my, name's, my name's Lawson Walters. I'm uh, based in Newcastle. I'm 22 years young. Uh, I work for the North New South Wales Conference. Uh, firstly, my main role is that I work as a radio host on Faith FM. So I'm on the breakfast show on Faith FM, 7 and 9. I'm just going to put the little plug in there. 87.6, guys, get the app. <laughs> uh, but also as well, I, I work as a Bible worker for the Newcastle University Adventist Church. So we've started a little church plant there, uh, which is functioning on campus, obviously right now, you know, we're in the midst of lockdowns in New South Wales. But yeah, doing campus ministry as a Bible worker and radio hosting, that's pretty much my whole life. Um, other than that, um, I like eating food. Awesome. Great. Welcome, Lawson and Joy. Before we start our conversation and discussion today, can I ask Joy to pray for us to open our discussion? No worries. Let's all bow our heads wherever we are. Dear Heavenly Father God, we want to thank you so much um, for this beautiful time that we're about to spend together. Lord, uh, we have so much to say about um, witnessing and about what you've got to teach us through your word. We know that your word is stronger than a two double-edged sword. Can't even say it right, but that's okay. Lord, you know what we mean. Um, I pray that you be with us now, that your spirit may guide us through this conversation, that you may touch people's hearts and open their hearts to receive your word and to receive a, receive a conviction of, um, of what you want to teach them today. I pray that you lead us now. I pray this in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 So our topic for Road to AYC 2022 is witnessing. Um, in this podcast, we'll be looking at what is witnessing, how to witness, and why witnessing. Um, we'll start with the concept of witnessing. And Joy and Lawson, what is witnessing to you personally, and how does it apply to you and in your life? Yeah, uh, witnessing to me personally, I think, I love to give biblical definitions for things that then have practical applications. So for me personally, I go to two verses in the Bible. Firstly, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, where it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Also, you have Acts 1.8, uh, which is essentially, you know, go out, be my witnesses to the whole world. From that, what I gather and how I apply this idea of witnessing is just essentially in my life, in everything that I do, 
reflecting Jesus um, for the purpose of giving someone a, an introductory experience with God that they would be then interested in to apply for themselves. Um, and we're going to be talking about in this podcast how that how that plays out in, in people's lives and, and also some methods of witnessing as well. But I think broadly, it's anything that relates to that, whether, you know, you could say Bible study, whatever it may be, uh, Bible study, you know, personal life choices and, and lifestyle, like all of those things can fall under witnessing if you're doing it to represent God and to promote him to others. So, yeah. Joe, what do you reckon? Um, well, I totally agree with that. Um, and going along your definition theme, I love definitions. And I um, I would want to share John 4 verse 39, which is a verse we'll look at uh, later on. And mm. it says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Now, the word testimony comes from the Greek word, martureo, <laughs> and it means to bear witness or be a witness. And if you go through the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition, it has so many definitions of being a witness, and I'll just go through them quickly. One is an attestation of a fact or an event, one that gives evidence or proof, one asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify mm. to its having taken place, one who has personal knowledge of something, or my last and personal favorite, public affirmation by word or example of usually religious faith or conviction. Um, and I think this, this idea of witnessing applies to all Christians as it helps us achieve the goal of the Great Commission Christ asked of us, which is mm. to make disciples of all nations. Mm. And I love this range. Like there's so many ranges of how we can witness like you Lawson you you are a Bible worker you're able to do Bible studies with different people you're able to create awesome vegan cookbooks that you can share with your students it's amazing (laughs) if you guys haven't heard of it yet um but for me I mean working in a general practice there's a different setting and Mm. and we can be used in so many different ways like just from something as simple as putting a a Bible verse plaque in my office and someone walking in and just noticing, oh, maybe she is a little bit Christian, a little bit not, I don't know, <laughs> um, to even praying with patients that are on their deathbed um, or or even talking to my colleagues about, about my spiritual life and about the experiences that I'm having. There's so many ways that we can share Christianity and we can witness um, to mm. other people. So I'm really excited to get through this um, this podcast today and share what we have to learn. Yeah, what a topic. I just pick up from that. We've both identified, oh, there's plenty of ways to do this. And you know what that means? More content. So, <laughs> so that should fuel the conversation going forward, hopefully. That's awesome. I'm getting very excited. Um, what is your favorite witnessing story in the Bible? Oh, dude, for me, absolute banger story, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, Paul and Silas go to Philippi. They get thrown in jail. They're singing in the... That is a witness right there. They're singing in chains. Like, And if you read <laughs> Acts of the Apostles and the account of what's going on there, where it's like they're singing in chains and in a dungeon where only... Uh, shrieks of terror and fear and pain come out of they're singing and then because of that there's an earthquake and all the people get out of the cells and the dude the philippian jailer goes to kill himself um but they run in on time and they're like 
hey, you know, and the guy, oh, sorry, the Philippian jailer runs in and he falls down on his knees and he's like, what must I do to be saved? Um, and mm. him and his family, and then you've got Lydia and her family become the foundation for the Philippian church, which we then learn, you know, in the letter to the Philippians is one of the most famous churches for their faith in all of in pretty much all of the known world at the time. So, so yeah, like that is, that is like the, one of the top, top, top stories. It's not one of the ones we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about a different story about witnessing, but it is amazing. Lawson, man, I feel like if you were ever put to prison or put in prison, you would have been like, wait, 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 hold up. Let me get my guitar so I can uh, <laughs> praise Jesus in the prison cell. Oh, um, I, I hope so. <laughs> Anyway, um, well, my story, the story that I absolutely love is the story of the woman at the well. Um, and it's one of my favorites for two reasons. One is because um, I get to see, or we get to see the picture of Jesus actually witnessing to people. And especially in his, probably one of his, one of his weaker moments as a human, as well as seeing like probably the worst women or the the woman with the worst reputation in this town trying to witness to other people and how effective wow. both of their testimonies were so really excited to go through the story because this is the story we're going to talk about today i'm oh, so excited perfect segue right there <laughs> so good and that's that amazing story is in john chapter four um can you give us a bit of summary of the context of the story Go for it, Bible worker Lawson. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> well, essentially, like, Jesus at this point, he's been traveling around. He's in the midst of his public ministry. He's been, um, you know, baptized by John the Baptist. He's starting to um, take on disciples. You know, they've had uh, his public miracles have already kind of happened. You know, he's, he's turned the water into wine. He's becoming more known and known. He's just been in Jerusalem. Um, and he's been, sorry, been in the region of Judea. And now he's heading back to Galilee uh, as he's, you know, traveling, witnessing, preaching, doing all those things. Uh, but the Bible says in verse four that he needs to go through Samaria. Um, that's where we kind of, this is where this whole story starts to be introduced and um you know for the uh, especially for those reading this in the in its immediate context or those in the story uh they see but he needs to go to samaria and it's kind of like this tension starts to build here and, and the story starts to really flesh out and become um what it is so yeah i would i would say that that's pretty much the summary leading up to the the following kind of things that happen because he, they go into Samaria, they come to the town of Sikar and, and then from there he goes on to have this encounter with the woman. I like when you picked up like he needed to go through Samaria. Is that um, logistically he has to go there or is that like um, it's a shortcut? Well, I think there's like, there's always, you know, great debate about many things that Jesus did. Uh, you know, we have this story of when he goes and meets the Syrophoenician woman out in the middle of what we would call whoop whoop. Like he's just go so randomly meets this Syrophoenician woman like on, you know, in a border Greek town, has a conversation with her. She gets, you know, saved and then he just comes back. And so it's like, you could say, oh, logistically, yay or nay. Like, I feel like he's probably very cold to here. And w w what will be evidence as we read through this story is the amazing work that happens here. There, he, was, mm. he was probably led to by the Holy Spirit. I'm not too um, savvy on biblical geography. So maybe, maybe there's a, a scholar, maybe you guys have some perspective on that, that, oh, no, this is literally a shortcut. But 
whether it is or not, he needed to go through Samaria because if he didn't go through Samaria, we don't have this epic story. Mm. So. Maybe he's being <laughs> intentional um, to mm. go to Samaria so that he can meet that woman. Because um, mm. a lot of Jews have been avoiding um, to go to Samaria because of the history. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Joy, Joy, you've got some perspective on this, on the history. Mm. Do you say that just because of men are? Yeah, oh. well, I, I just refer <laughs> it all to you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so look, it, it is really interesting. And once again, I'm not a biblical scholar either, but um, what we found is that Samaritans used to be part of the tribe, um, the 12 tribes of Judah. Um, and then throughout time, they were kind of separated. Um, they became... It, you know, intertwined with pagan beliefs. And so the original view of being a Jew was no longer the beliefs of being a Jew. Like it it Mm. changed completely. Um, They started to worship on a different mountain and they started to um, have idols and and marry into different um, religions and whatnot. So the Samaritans weren't necessarily loved by the Jews. They were actually hated (laughs) by the Jews. And like you were saying, Catherine, a lot of people would try and do, you know, try and do a little bit of a detour out of the way of the Samaritan places mm. because they don't, they didn't want to interact with them. So this is the setting that we have here. Yet Jesus intentionally went through Samaria, and you can see we'll we'll move on to the next couple of verses. So if we go to verse seven, um, this is where you know Jesus has finally he's tired, he's exhausted. Him and his disciples are trying to walk through the town to get to the other side. And his disciples go off um, into the town to buy food. And they were allowed to buy food. You know, they generally weren't allowed to talk to the Samaritans necessarily unless it was something of for need, like buying food, like asking for water. Um, and it says here, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And here, I, I don't know if you know anything about it, Lawson. What do you think is, um, is like the purpose of him asking her, will you give me a drink? Well, firstly, I think he just has a, physi- like a physical need for water. <laughs> like, yeah. like the guy's thirsty, dude. Like they're in the middle of the Arab desert. Like this is, <laughs> this is a, a really tough and treacherous place. Um, the previous verse as well, verse 6, gives us some, some indication. They come to Jacob's well which is a very famous historical site um, from the book of Genesis that is still existing and is in the area of where the Samaritans live. They come to this well. Jesus asks her for a drink. We know that this would set up their further conversation. Uh, I, f- I see this as a real, you know, uh, conversation starter slash, you know, the classic psychological trick of making a request of someone so that they become more open to you. Like Jesus is, is incredibly ministry savvy. Uh, we can see from, from the <laughs> outset here, but yeah, he just literally had a physical need um, and he saw that physical need as an opportunity to be able to to start a conversation um, with this with this woman. That's how that's mm. what, how I see it really playing out. Just mm. in its in its initial. Obviously, we know like, and I think particularly because this is in the book of John, which is the John is just full of very intentional stories about Jesus doing very intentional things that reveal him as the Son of God. And so I see this as like you know the reason it's here is because it's supposed to be. This wasn't just some random thing, but it starts out as just some encounter of hey. 
I'm thirsty. Like, give mm. me a drink. My disciples are in town getting food. They're probably mm. having some hang-ups with the locals because they're Samaritans and Jews, you know what? <laughs> but he's just like, hey, give me a drink um, to this woman. Mm. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I was reading The Desire of Ages and the historical context to this, and it adds a little bit more oomph into the story. Yeah, well. It says, Jesus asked her for a drink, such a favor no Oriental would withhold. In the East water was called the gift of God. To offer a drink to the thirsty traveler was held to be a duty so sacred that the Arabs of the desert would go out of their way in order to perform it. So even though we have this context of a Jew and a Samaritan and how dare they talk to each other, especially a Samaritan woman out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the day, um, Jesus still asks her for a drink and she's, she still feels obliged to actually give him that drink because of this, um, this historical kind of, um, or the idea of this water being the gift of God. So she actually responds to him when she probably should have rejected his, his uh, request. I think I think that actually prompts what she says here because if this is as you know the desire of ages has pointed out if this is such a sacred thing for them right like this is such an important thing for them um, her response in verse nine is how is it that you and this plays into what we've already kind of talked about how is it that you being a Jew ask from me a Samaritan woman uh, like for a drink like how why are we having this conversation essentially like why are you a high and mighty Jew one who esteems themselves so much better than me and esteems me and my people as so lowly why are you asking me for a drink like something that's so important why would you put that in my care you know um, particularly if we highlight that point that's a really really good point Joy like how important mm. the this act of getting water was you know women women weren't allowed to be like testifiers in court right like because you know women were really restricted in this era and society um because of the misconceptions and just like the way it played out but secondarily she's a samaritan woman dude like mm. why would you extend to her like such an important request um well I think Jesus would because he sees the situation for what it really is. He sees this person yeah. for, for who she really is, which is a, a des, you know, a deserving child of God who is really yeah. in a place of, of seeking. Um, mm. And that's why, dude, let me get into verse 10. You just yes, drop, drop do it. Bombs, <laughs> like, oh, this is so good. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given to you living water. This is is massive. Like this is, Jesus is coming in like both fists right here, both fists and a a leg, ultimate punch. Like he is throwing (laughs) it all at this woman. Um, Essentially what he's saying to her, and and I I feel like we can, we can do some biblical digging on this point. Uh, Just, just a little bit, just some proof texting Mm. to give us um, a full picture of this. But really what he's offering this lady um, is, is salvation. Like that's, that's what he's, that's what he's saying. Like, Hey lady, like what I'm actually trying to do for you is give you salvation. Um, I don't think she understood immediately here. And we see that through the rest of the conversation. She didn't understand immediately that that's Mm. what's going on. But for him to say to her, Hey lady, I want to give you living water. Um, this is, this is massive. Like this is, 
this is huge. This is a huge, huge, huge big point. Um, and that's because of how the Bible defines what living water is. I just want to do this quickly. We're all for biblical definitions here. You know, we don't want to just say things and, and not, not be checked, <laughs> even though, even though like we have no reason to mislead people, but yeah. we don't want to be misled ourselves. Because we're Adventists. Anyways, uh, let's go. Uh, <laughs> I love making that point. Okay. Um, <laughs> when Jesus in, in John chapter 7, a couple chapters later, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Very, very similar language he's using here. Mm. Um, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being uh, w- uh, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he says Mm. that we see this direct link here, spirit, living water. Like this is, you know, this, the, the living water is a symbol of the spirit. Mm. That's great. Now, why is the spirit so important in this initial context with her? Because we know the spirit does a lot of things. It enables people to have the gifts of the spirit, have the fruits of the spirit. It changes character. It, it, it enables us to do amazing things in ministry and whatnot. But first and foremost, as Ephesians like 1, 13 and 14 says, the spirit seals us for salvation. Mm. Like that's, mm. that's, and, and what we kind of, trying to identify here particularly with this woman at the well um and as we're talking about witnessing one of our goals in this podcast um particularly today's edition is to see very clearly that before any witnessing can happen there needs to be a relationship with christ a saving relationship with christ like that precedes any type of witness that we can make and so jesus here in, in this very kind of compressed story and, and just immediately, you know, she's like, hey, what are you talking about, Jew? And he's like, oh, I want to offer you salvation so you can become a witness of me. <laughs> like, it just, <clears throat> the dominoes are really starting to fall here, um, but it's falling in, in fantastic favor and setting up this woman um, for what she would go on and do. What do you guys think? Of, what do you guys think about that? Oh, it's so amazing. Exactly what you've just said. And those are not the only two verses that talk about this living water. I mean, I I can just picture myself sitting there as if I was that woman, um, sinful woman sitting in front of this man that is just talking to me, asking for water. And he says, yeah, I can give you living water. Imagine just sitting there like, what does living water actually mean? (laughs) Like Jesus Jesus loved to talk in riddles and these people must have been so confused like just sitting there like what does the the water come to life does it give me um you know eternity (laughs) I don't know does it mean my skin gets to glow forever I don't know um but yeah like the verses that you shared are so powerful and there's so many other verses and I'll just share a few more um just in Isaiah Isaiah 44 verse 3, it says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. So there you've got that, um, once again, that reminder that the water is actually the spirit. But then if you go back in Isaiah 12 verse 3, it says, With joy, and I didn't mean me, but with joy, (laughs) you. (laughs) Dad joke. Okay, anyway. (laughs) With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So here we've got Jacob's well. Here we've got this well 
that has physical water. It's got water that can quench our physical thirst. But Jesus is talking about this well of salvation and this living water, which is a spirit that will convict us of all truth. Mm. And this lady is just at the start of her conviction experience. Um, and I think we should move on to see what happens next because it's <laughs> pretty <great>. powerful. <laughs> read, read, read 11 and 12. Yeah, I will. Let's do that. So it says in verse 11, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? And did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? As did, sorry. So this woman is asking, <laughs> what, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, what's this living water? <laughs> yeah, but she, she's immediately kind of confused but i yeah. think she's cottoning on slightly but she has her reservations i think like anyone would in this situation mm. she's like who mm. is this dude man like living water but i, I love this question that she asked because it's so funny uh in verse 12 it's it's funny from our perspective you know we have a lot of hindsight reading this story um but it's are you greater than our father jacob i, I love to just consider like what do you think the supposed answer to that question was from her perspective? What do you think Jesus is going to say? Like, you know, the patriarch Jacob, like the man, like the one where we all came from. Are you greater than him? What do you think? She, uh, he, what does she think? She's um, suspecting he, a note. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. She's like, of course, he can't claim that he's better than our father, Jacob. Like, who does this guy think he is? Little does she know, she's talking to the one who made Jacob. She's talking to the one who can... Dude, this is so cool. This is so cool. Because this is like... she She's like saying, oh, man, you have nothing to draw with. Like, are you greater than our father, Jacob? Like, Jesus is offering her water that is far better than anything. She Jesus is offering yeah. her something far better than Jacob could have ever given her. Like far better, far more important. Um, but are you great? And, and the the answer is yes. And that's how Jesus <laughs> responds. Like, <laughs> like Jesus just again gets right to the point uh, in verse thirteen and fourteen, where he says, "Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the mm. water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of living water, um, springing up into everlasting life." Wow! Dude, like he's wow, he's not joking <laughs> around here. <laughs> He's like, are you better than our father? Dude, living water. Like, you will never thirst. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's not talking about in the physical context, um, which is still this kind of point of contention in their, in their mm. conversation. It's like, dude, what are you trying to say? Like, how am I mm. never going to thirst again? Um, no, but what he's really getting at is, hey, I can... And, and especially when he says, become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He's like... Not not only will you never thirst again, but you'll become this fountain of water. You'll become like basically a dispensary of living water to other people. Not that she literally mm. becomes Jesus, but he's kind of like prophesying on her her fu her future ministerial success um, wow. and giving her advice and giving her some insight into what this water will make of her. It's 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 also very like Psalms. Like the first psalm, if you guys have ever read the first psalm, it's like my favorite one. Um, you know, you'll become a tree beside the rivers of water, the bearing fruit. Like, 
what you become, you become this, this witness, you become more than a person. Mm. When you take mm. on Jesus, you become more than a, an isolated, selfish individual, but you become someone who has the ability to be a witness, um, wow. you know, to offer sustaining life to others that comes from Christ. So dude, this is like, he's just, he's just dropping it all on the table again. I, I love <laughs> making this point, but he is really to this woman being like, Hey, rubber's meeting the road today. Like we're, yeah. we're getting this done. It's, it's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that Lawson. I absolutely love what you've, um, what you've explained to us with the Holy spirit and with, with this woman now being prophesied to share this with other people. Um, moving on to the, to verse 15, I just absolutely love this. It says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Mm. And it's, it's kind of funny. Like people picture this quote in many different ways. Some are like, oh, is she saying this? Um, just to humor Jesus. Others are like, oh, is she saying this because she actually believes it? Like people might not necessarily know what stage she's at. I often believe she's at the point where she kind of believes somewhat of what Jesus is saying, but doesn't totally get it. But in any case, she still asks. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's such, such a reflection of reality. Like we can be in a situation in our lives where we kind of, know that Jesus is there or we know about God um, but sometimes we won't fully fully understand what he has for us or mm. fully doesn't like don't understand his plans or whatever else but we're still allowed to ask God for the Holy Spirit for salvation in the midst of our doubts mm. and I think that's the huge lesson that we can learn from this verse that she doubted she wasn't fully convinced at this point but she still asked and it's such a biblical thing where it says you know ask of me um anything you want in jesus name and i will give it to you um knock and the door will be open to you seek and you will find the father loves giving to those the holy spirit for anyone who asks god's literally pleading with us just ask even if you're doubtful just ask and i'm happy to give you the holy spirit i'm happy to give you salvation because i like i love you <laughs> mm. just i love it such a powerful verse oh dude yeah. such a good point it's i think the real point here is whether she's absolutely like has no idea what he's talking about and she's strictly talking in the physical sense like oh maybe he's like really rich and he's like, <laughs> or she's fully clued in to the spiritual implications of what she's asking she is asking of god mm. like the, mm. the reality is she is asking of jesus to meet her needs, which yeah. is the perfect place, like where for us, the experience that we need to have, where we realize, oh, I'm actually in need. Uh, mm. Whether in again a spiritual sense, a physical sense, we we all have needs um, in both of those realms: um, mm. physical, spiritual, social. You know, we are struggling. We are in need. We are inherently, you know, because of this world of sin that we live in. Like, we are so incomplete. And she is recognizing this. She's listening to this, what this crazy Jew is saying. She's, <laughs> like, she's like, hey, meet my needs. Which is, yeah. again, the perfect place to be at. Mm, mm. Mm. And now, now <laughs> Jesus drops more bombs on her. <laughs> like, now we get into the, 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 rest, the rest of this encounter is like, oh, Jesus. Like, it's, it's really like, did, did, he, did he go there? Did he need to go there? <laughs> 
like because he just he just confronts her sin. I think he does it for a really important reason. But mm. oh, let's read it. Give us give us a read. Go call your husband and come back. And she replies, "I have no husband." Jesus said to her, "You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband." What you have just said is quite true. Oh, man, the tension <laughs> that would be created from this, right? Like, you know, she quickly diffuses it because of how hot and heavy it is. Like, mm, mm. when she when she responds, but just just in that point, um, oh, there's something really beautiful going on here. Hey, like, I think such an integral pillar of our conversion experiences, repentance and conviction, like recognizing that, oh, firstly, like Jesus can meet my needs. And this is like a lot of ways, particularly as an Adventist, you know, like with the health message and the Sabbath and, and it's like, Ooh. wow, Jesus can meet my physical needs, you know, with the the, the understanding of, of church. Jesus can meet my social needs. He can meet my spiritual needs. But Jesus is really circling her back to the real problem of her life, um, which is it's playing out in a social context but it is her sin. Mm. Like, it's her sin. Like, first and foremost, it's her sin. And he's really laying it down on the table. It's like, hey, lady, if you're going to have an, a, a conversion experience, you need to know that this is something that needs to be confronted. Um, and he just gives it to her. But he does it in such a nice way. Like, yes. he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, oi, these are your sins, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. He, he kind of brings it up in a soft way and says, oh, you know, go call your husband. Um, and she comes back and she tells him the truth. Like she's really honest with him and I love that about her. Um, but what Jesus responds to that is what is, he says, what you have just said is quite true. Like he doesn't say, um, yeah, you're right, you horrible person, you've slept with all these men and like yeah. now you're searching for wow. more. Like he just goes, hey, like, you have done what is, well, he didn't say you're wrong, but he just said, um, what you're saying is true, but let me fix that for you. And I love this concept, this, this idea in my mind. Once again, I just like, I just relate to her so much, not because I've had five husbands, because I haven't had any, but, <laughs> but because she's a woman that just desires love and acceptance. And like, she goes from five men five married men or five marriages where, you know, you come to a point where you're like, okay, one marriage is enough or, okay, let me divorce this guy and marry another guy. By the time you get to your fifth marriage, it's probably um, sinking in that it's not them that's the problem, but you're the problem. <laughs> yeah. um, and yet she goes to the sixth one and she's still not satisfied. And here Jesus is the seventh man. Like, it's like the holy number of men. The biblical symbology. (laughs) That's right. And he's saying, like, he's providing her what she couldn't find in the other men. Wow. That is acceptance, love, protection, forgiveness, and faithfulness. Mm. And it's just like, it's mind-blowing. I'm so so mind-blown by God's grace. Um. But yeah, let's let's read through. Um, what does the woman say? The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. 
she's very quick to diffuse the tension mm. of this situation. I, it's Mm-mm. not that she hasn't confronted her sin, um, I, but I also think it's just it's just awkward, bro. Like, it's just like, and and we see later that she acknowledges this to the point where she's willing to go and tell a whole village about how Jesus said this to her and how that's an evidence of him being the son of God and yeah. the Messiah. But like at this point, she's v- very quick to diffuse the, the tension, obviously, because it's, it's an awkward situation. Um, but she gets, she is just like, this is like the optimum seeker right here. She's like <laughs> and connecting all this conversation they've just had into spiritual context. Yeah. She's like, Oh, worship dude. Like, they haven't even said anything about worship yet. Yeah, he's talked about living water, but we're kind of sitting here, you know, contemplating whether she fully understood the ramifications and the in the and the symbology and the spiritual implications of living water. Mm. They haven't had that spiritual conversation, but she is prompted to go, mm. oh, you Jews worship on one mountain, we worship on the other mountain. Like, uh, and and you guys, ha- you're a prophet. Like, again, yeah. this is b- through Jesus's conversation the questions that he's asking this has prompted in her mind very holy spirit led has prompted spiritual things and has turned into a spiritual conversation Mm. you know i think that brings up a really good point like so many times we think oh this person like sitting on the road on the side of the road they don't want to talk about jesus so i'm not going to talk to them about jesus you know it could be it could be as simple as that like a lot of times we fear trying to introduce Jesus or our testimony to other people because we think, oh, they're probably not into it. What's going on in their minds? Not Jesus. But this woman, Samaritan woman, has come in and and Jesus knows that, like obviously he knows what's going on, but I think it's a reminder to us that we cannot judge at what place or what spiritual stage people are in their lives Mm. before we introduce this to them because just like you said she introduced the topic herself (laughs) she brought up worship herself like the point that i was going to make in yeah she's thinking oh we shouldn't be too scared we shouldn't be too scared to introduce like spiritual topics she's the one who brought it up yeah and so is is the solution then we just need to be kind of willing to have conversations Mm. with people maybe Mm. like Mm. is that the first step you know just butter them up like jesus did that's right (laughs) seeking their goods um vegan butter sorry (laughs) 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 but yeah there's this initial check in this woman's well-being and conversations about living water that ultimately prompts a spiritual conversation that mm. quickly becomes a very theologically dense um and and very serious so uh, Ooh. dude you can, can i read it can i read it, it? yeah joy go for it because i want to hear your explanation of this all right so <laughs> it says in verse 21 jesus declared believe me woman a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Mm. Dude, this is so epic. This is like, this is the most cool thing. I'm not going to say it's the coolest thing Jesus ever said, but it's like one of these, again, one of these very key passages that is is very theologically dense in a short space. Mm. Jesus is covering a lot of ground in, you know, the ultimate result of his existence. 
and mm. that is that he is saying um, salvation is of the Jews. Like he firstly says, okay, there's a difference between you and I. Like like in ter- in between, well, there's a difference between Samaritans and Jews, and that is yeah. that Jews know what they worship, but this whole separation and difference is eventually not going to matter. Amen. And furthermore, um, and furthermore, that is because, like, the reason it's not going to matter is because we're all going to be worshiping the same God. Um, you know, God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So Jesus ultimately is is giving her some insight into this future unity that is going mm. to come as a result of of something of something. Something is going to happen that results in unity. He hasn't, he hasn't identified what that is, but he's saying, oh, there is going to be something that takes place that is going to result in this unity. Now, think about this. What causes division between us and other people and us and God? Sin is the ultimate cause of division between people, right? Mm. And particularly division between us and God. Like yeah. the barrier between us and God exists because of sin. Mm. And he's making a point here that, hey, there will no longer be division between us, like Jews and Samaritans, and there will no longer be division between us and God. We'll worship mm. in spirit and in truth. And, and the, the like we're, we're getting a very um, assumptive, but we can say that, oh, well, that would be because there would be a, a degradation of sin. There would be a removal of sin. And now... How does the how is sin removed? Like again, in an ultimate sense, like how does sin get removed from the world? Through the cleansing of Christ, the sacrifice yeah, of Christ. Yeah, that's right. Through through Christ, through the Messiah, mm. through mm. like through the work that Jesus would do, dying on the cross. Mm. Sin is removed from us, and look what this woman says in response. Verse twenty-five. He's kind of given this framework for okay. There's going to be this unity. It's going to be because there is this going away of sin that requires a Messiah. And look how she responds. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Hmm. So she, she bring, again, she brings it up. Obviously, hmm. there would be some assumed knowledge on her part. We know that Samaritans are pretty spiritual people pretty religious people he's having a conversation in that context and she's kind of clued on to what he's saying she's like okay if there's going to be this unity it's going to be through the messiah right he's the one that's got to bring the whole world together Mm. and so she brings it up and then he just verse 26 dropping bombs again (laughs) jesus said to her i who speak to you M he like mm. what a Bible study. Imagine you're sitting there with Je- like, imagine the shock of like Jesus, the Messiah has just led you through, you know, <laughs> asking you for water, offering you salvation, confronting your sin, doing a Bible study with you. And then like, he leads you to the point where he, you're like, Oh, we need the Messiah for all these things to happen. And he's mm. like, Oh, that's me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bam. Like, this is just like, yes, yes. It's like the ultimate climax right here to, That's right. to, to the story, um, to this, to this encounter. And yeah, it's amazing. And then it kind of tails off from here. And this is, this is where we're going to be sneaky. And uh, hold up, hold up. Let me just say something, man. Yes. Yeah, of course. Let me just say something. Of course. I love, I love that Jesus does not usually say to other people that he is the Christ. He doesn't always like make it so 
blatantly clear that he is the Messiah. He can't, and sometimes he even tells people, don't tell people. <laughs> they yeah, see, right. like, they see healing and they see um, stories where they're like, this must be the Christ. And he's like, oh, don't tell them yet because the Jews will come after me, blah, blah. <laughs> At this point, this Christ, like the creator of the whole entire world, comes to the lowliest and, and the like least respected in society mm. and exposes himself to her. And he says, I am he. Mm. And, and I love that he says that to her and not really like all the big crazy people that are, you know, like the big Jews and the Pharisees right. and da, da, da. And you know what? It's probably because they wouldn't have believed him anyway. They probably That's wouldn't right. have been humble enough to, to like actually realize they have a need for Christ. And this woman is here and she has this need for Christ. And so when he says, I am he, she believes him. And that like, exact scenario, by the way, plays yes. out at his death. Like all the people, he's like, he's finally revealed that he calls himself the son of God. And they're like, oh, no, mm. I don't care. Herod, mm. Pilate, mm. the Sanhedrin. They're like, oh, no, we don't care. Yeah, but yeah. this woman got it. It's such a mm. good point. I yeah. Love- I love this um, the way that how Jesus witnessed to her um, by you know asking for help and then yeah. confronting her of her sin, but without any condemnation. Yes. Like the yeah the flow of conversation, the witness, the kindness and grace that he showed, it was just um, amazing. Now let's continue our discussion on witnessing in our ne- next podcast. Thank you, Joy and Lawson, for sharing your insights <laughs> yes. and experience. No worries. <laughs> and thank you very much for those who are listening online. We hope this um, podcast has been a blessing to you. And we look forward to our next discussion. Until mm. then, take care and God bless. Thank you, Joy and Lawson, for taking us through the story of how Jesus witnessed to this Samaritan woman. And just to summarize key points of this podcast, First, Jesus intentionally went to Samaria on his way to Galilee, while at the time Jews would usually go for a detour to avoid Samaria. Jesus was intentional about his ministry. And Jesus started his conversation by asking for a favor from this woman. And then he made the woman curious about what he could offer. Jesus then confronted the woman with her sin in such a soft and kind way that leads to her conversion. And this has laid a solid foundation to turn her to be a great witness for Christ. We will dive deep into this in our next podcast. I'm personally so blessed to study this story. And one of my biggest takeaway is that Jesus was intentional in witnessing. He was intentional about where he should go. He was intentional in starting a conversation and building a relationship with this woman. And this really challenges me in the way that I'm asking myself, am I being intentional in my conversations with others? Am I being intentional in making new friends? And am I being intentional witnessing for Jesus? Thank you, Joy and Lawson, again for sharing your insights and experience of witnessing with us today. And thank you for those who are listening. We hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you and we look forward to our next discussion till then take care and god bless